Now, I'm joined in the studio by writer Michael Shearer to talk about his book, Walking a Rainbow. He's also part of Brentwood Writer Circle, and he's our guest today on the book club uh, with Sylvia Kent. I'll be chatting to Sylvia in a little while. So good morning to you. Ah, good morning, and good morning to everybody. Lovely to speak to you. Uh, You've come in today to talk about your book and a lot more as well. So before we talk about the book, when did you get the writing bug? Oh, always, I think. I can remember my first day at school. um, uh, The person took me to my desk, which had my name on the desk, and I looked at it, and she said, that's your name, and I... I couldn't believe it. That all those squiggles was my name, and I was hooked on language and writing from that. I've always written. And was there a particular sort of writer that you grew up really worshipping, or was it lots of different books that you were reading? Lots, um, a whole series as as things go go on. Uh, Conrad, Aeschylus, way back. Um, Primarily Blake. I was obsessed by William Blake in my 20s and so on and so on. There are 10,000 books in my house. Wow. Yeah. I'm addicted. Yeah. Um, what book would you say for you changed your life? Is there is there one particular book or is it a series of Too books? Too many. Yeah. If I would had to name one, I would... I can't name one. Give me two. Uh, Heart of Darkness, Joseph Conrad... And Oedipus Rex, uh, yeah, Sophocles. I was obsessed with that for years. Also, you're a teacher, or you were? Are you I still? Was. Are you still a teacher now, or have you retired? No, no, I'm retired, and I was a, a lecturer at um, City and East London College, as it was called then. Changed its name. Yeah. And what, what did you? What did you teach? Oh, initially, would you believe? People back off when I say this in public. Formal logic, no less, exactly. Right, <laughs> you saw my confused look. Yes. Don't turn off, don't turn off now. And, um, and uh, English language, and then later on uh, they realised I liked doing different things. So uh, English literature, classical civilization, theatre studies, IT. And then, ah, I have one little baby in the educational world, um, there was no A-level in philosophy, so I initiated that, sold it to the exam boards, got it through, and that's my little baby. Oh, wow. A-level so philosophy. All down to you. It, well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, being a um, sort of teacher, how did it change over the years? And would, if you could go back into it now... Would you? Teaching? Mm. No, I was pretty independent, so, and I got good results. So various um, uh, fashions came in, and I'd look at it, see if it was any use for the students, and if it was, I'd incorporate it, and if I didn't, if I didn't like it, I didn't think it would work, I did my best not to do it that way and after a while they left me alone because the results were all right <laughs> uh, probably different to way it would work now because they have to work under certain sort yeah, of guidelines yeah don't i they? think so i more yeah. or less did my own thing yeah mm. and did you have anybody famous or it ended up being famous sort of writing or what in my yeah. classes yeah no i can't remember no, I don't think so. No. I, it, I'd lose touch, yeah. really. It's one of the great shames of teaching. Yeah. But, but, so yeah. how long did you do that for? 35 years. Wow. 
Uh, before that, I had loads of other jobs uh, because when I came out of uni, my attitude, which sounds really silly nowadays, was it didn't much matter what you did. I wasn't interested in a career. I was interested in meeting people, talking to them, finding out about them. So I just took up anything that came along. Uh, which uh, So I worked on building sites quite a lot, menial jobs, factories, offices, and then... I painfully discovered that it did matter what you did. And most jobs are really quite dull and boring. You get to know how to do them. And that's that. And uh, and having and then I was walking past Hackney Tech one day and, and, I, and I, uh, I popped in and said, oh, have you got any jobs going? And I thought they'd say caretaker or something. And they said, she said, oh, thank God. Have you got any qualifications? So I told her I had a degree. And she said, oh, good, come this way. Apparently there was a sort of sickness thing going around. And um, she was desperate. So she took me to this class and just left me there. And it turned out to be a class of horologists, would you believe? What's horology? Oh, it's, it sounds like you study horror, but they, <laughs> it, it's all about clocks and watches. Oh, right, OK. So it's really quite yeah. interesting. So I just got them to talk to me for an hour. <laughs> and I got paid for it. And I thought, wow, this is all right. I'll have a go at this. So then I got a job um, teaching English language to Aus- Austrians in uh, uh, young women's uh, uh, association in uh, Croydon, and that went very well. So I thought I went off and got qualified uh, postgrad thing, and then I looked for a job, and then eventually I got this one and stuck with it all the years. Um, now, writing, did you actually start writing short stories before you wrote your book, Walking a Rainbow? Was there other work that you did beforehand? Uh, well, I've always written, as I've said, and it's changed over the years, if that's what you're asking. And um, uh, stories, poems, articles, uh, published here and there. And But I'm, I'm very bad at marketing. I don't do it, really, so... They don't get around much in that way. Uh, this particular book, I I um, I made. I carried a notebook. It's a walk across Spain. I carried a notebook in my top shirt pocket and made notes. I wanted to make. So I was sort of going to write. I knew all the way along. So uh, everything in the book is true and detailed. Uh, people say that um, it seems very real, it's like being there, which is what I was trying for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in, in the evenings, I, I carried a, a, a sort of a duplicate book and wrote that up into a diary. And then once I got home, I um, thought... That I, I ignored it for a long while and then thought, yeah, I've got to, I've got to write... The pressure... Like a, a duty was the thing. This has got to be done, and you're not doing it. Uh, so, eventually, I got it all together. So, to give us an outline of the book. As you said, it's it's your travels, isn't it, with your son? Yes, it is. Uh, it's it's about walking the Camino de Santiago, uh, which is a well. There's there's lots of different routes, but the main one is the French route, as it's known. 
and we began in southwest France, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, over the Pyrenees, that's the first day, over the Bloody Mountains, and then due west, and all the way across northern Spain uh, to Santiago. Except when we got to Santiago, we realised that that wasn't really the finishing point. So it's the story of us doing that, uh, me and my son. Uh, but the so people tend to think it's just oh this happened and then that happened and uh, and a great deal happened uh, in that regard. We met lots of interesting people, real weirdos, many of them. And 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 so on. So it's the story of that and all the people we met and and, and so on. And 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 we had a wide of a time and it was really funny. And there's it's full of what happened, which had us literally falling over with laughter a fair time. And people would say, "Oh, it's such an enjoyable book uh, because of that." So there's all that. It's the story of what happened. And and also how it wasn't that recent. It was quite a while ago, and it yes. wasn't. Now it's quite fashionable to do these things, as you were saying off air. Yes. So what what uh, when did it take place, and how old was your son? That's a good question. Um, it it was 1983 originally, and uh, I met two people who on the on the 500 miles across, two people who spoke English as their natural language. One young woman from Bury St Edmunds and an American who taught Spanish at Kentucky University. And that was it. Everybody else. Uh, and, and it was very rough. You, 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 that was one of the, turned out, the great attractions. Because you, um, you live, it was a, you, you, you were living, you found out what was basically most important not all the luxuries and the, uh, that you had at home. You you lost all those. You walked out in the morning. You had no idea where you'd be at the end of that day, and you you had to find somewhere to live and we uh, to to sleep. And we slept. In, there are a few refuges, refugios, in, in which you can stay. Uh, we we knocked on the doors of monasteries and convents and said we're pilgrims, and they would usually let you in one way or another. Uh, but we stayed in in uh, derelict buildings, in uh, some of them really filthy. Uh, whatever you, if you've got a roof, that was good, and very rarely, most you didn't get electricity, you didn't get water, and this was in August. Oh, well. In Spain, <laughs> yes. thirty degrees and upwards yeah. centigrade. So, had your son been abroad before this point? Or no, he not? hadn't. Let me so fill that out. So the experience must have been amazing. Kez. Yeah, um, he was nine, and uh, uh, don't let me forget the the deeper levels of this. Let me get onto that. I don't want to leave that out. But um, he was nine, and I I went to a lecture at the college because uh, I didn't fancy doing the marking. I sodded off to this lecture, and I was totally engrossed with it, this lecture on the Camino. I'm doing that. And then I went home that night and told the family, and um, uh, Kez, my son, K-E-S, story of his naming, 
could be told. And um, he, he, oh, yes, I want to do that. And I said, no, Kez, you're only nine and it's really hard. It's 500 miles, you know, three mountain ranges. It's not really suitable. And I didn't want to take him, you know. I would quite enough get myself along, probably. I knew some of the difficulties. Um, and he looked totally crestfallen, and I'd never seen him so disappointed. So I said, uh, I said, look, I said, all right, we'll do a deal. If you can convince me that you can do it, I'll take you. Oh, right. And I thought that I'd take him out on a few walks, and he would realise he couldn't do it, and I wouldn't have banned him. So... Uh, so and and he would have said, "Oh right, okay." Reluctantly, he would know that he couldn't do it. So we did. Uh, I took him out in the winter deliberately to begin with, <laughs> <laughs> but he did it yeah. through the mud and you know in Essex and uh, and all that. And he did all that, and then we walked from London to Canterbury together, and he did that. Although he got close to giving up several times. And what convinced me was that one day we, I live in Ingotstone, and we walked out the front door of Ingotstone and just walked north, nothing prepared. So it was like the walk in Spain. Yeah. And uh, we finished up in King's Lynn, 100 miles along, a week, a single week later. Yeah. And he'd done all the walks every day. And I said to him, you moan at me. Mm. I'm not taking you, right? No moaning. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. And he did it. And I thought, bloody hell. He's, I said I'd take him if he could prove it. And he has. Yeah. So I was obliged. What, what an experience, though, because now today, as you know, with schools, to take any children out, there's fines, you can't check. But back in 1983, it was different times as well and also educational i mean people forget they think sometimes when you go on holiday you're just going to be on the beach with kids a lot of the time you're taking them out to see things um at an age where their brains really retain everything you know they're 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 interested in so much it's a shame it's a shame he he, he's a he's around he's a tough guy Mm -hmm. it toughened him up he became more independent because at school he's dyslexic, dyslexic, and at that time the schools in Essex didn't recognise yeah. dyslexia. Yeah. So he was in the bottom of every class, and he's a bright guy, bright kid. But this, he learnt so much, and he became even more robust than he was before. Changed his life, and there's a uh, there's a really good story about that in that. Um, maybe I'll get onto this a bit. Uh, I'm going to shift, if you don't mind, into the the sort of deeper thing about the book. Yep. And if you remind me, get on to Kez and his big experience <coughs> and how it's changed him and is centrally part of his life now, which is that um, I didn't know why I was doing it. Into, I just knew I had to and found out as I went along. And this is the other part of the the book, not just, oh, this happened and that happened, and it was a lot of fun and the rest of it, but the changes that happened through the process. And one big change, there were several, one big change was the, the, the act of coming out of your ordinary everyday life. 
here I am, I'm a lecturer, I'm a teacher, and um, I've got a family, and I've got friends, and I'm living in a particular place with a particular background culture, and then suddenly I'm not in any of those things. And as, as you walk along, you're walking all day, every day, you know? And it's not all, oh, look at that mountain over there or something. A lot of it is pretty dull. And stuff comes up. And one of the things that came up very clearly is that these various ways of living that I was in and identified with were roles. I was playing the role of a lecturer. I was playing the role of a certain sort of husband and, and all the rest of it. And what came clear is in this different context is they, there was something false about these roles I was playing. That, that wasn't really me. I just learned to do them because you have to, to yeah. get on in any group. Yeah. And so I'm walking along, walking along. What is the real me then? Wow. And you're, you've got loads of time, no hurry, no appointments, you know, uh, to, to allow thoughts to arise. And who am I was the big one, separate from all these roles I'm playing. Yeah. And that, you know, 500 miles to, to work that one out. And, I think uh, walking does that anyway. I started to do a walk, not like that, but on a Sunday, just a little walk. And I find that it does relax your your mind because you get all these thoughts coming in and yes. things and the pictures and the vision. Some people don't get that. They don't see things with film. I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, like you yeah. get films running through your head. And, and then after you've done a little walk, even if it's only a small walk, you, you feel a little bit more, yes. I don't know, uh, relaxed or less stressed because you, you process exactly. things like a computer, really. Yes. And it's, there's only energy. That's all there is. And you've got all this energy in yourself. And some of it is, is caught up in, in knots and, and, and negative things. Mm. And you're walking along. The energy is coming out and going into Mother Earth, God bless her. Yeah. You know? And she takes it and doesn't mind. <coughs> and so on. So you're, you're dissipating energies. And the second thing, I've got three things, if I remember the third one. Nowadays, when I said that, by the time I get to the third <laughs> thing, I've forgotten it. <coughs> but the second thing is contact with nature. And that was huge. If you're alone in mountains... And there you are. And what we found was that we could both feel the mountains. It wasn't like there's this big lump of stuff that we're going over. It seemed to have a personality yeah. almost. And the different mountains felt differently. And the same with the forests. So you began to sense the world in a different way. Mm. And that was not entirely different from the first point about, you know, who am I? And, yeah. Oh... And and the third important thing is I started living differently in the sense that um, events seemed to arrange themselves so that they were relevant, so that I felt that um, the whole thing was sort of symbolic all the way through along the way. And 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 everything was. I caught there were these intuitions, these realizations, and they were. I call them openings, where you realize something significant. Uh, and there was one big one, and I'm getting all tingly as I remember it, 
I must tell you this. And this happened, it all happened. We got to one place, Thithur Menor, it was called, and there was a refuge there, a refugio, uh, run by this local woman, free. She just did it to help and so on. And we went there and stayed there. And there was a shop in the village, get, get some food, go back to her back garden. There's all little tables there, beautiful little place. And we're sitting there, and, uh, and there was a woman sitting separately at her own table, all alone. And she obviously wasn't a pilgrim. She was dressed unsuitably. She had this mid-brown, warm brown dress on with green fields and long, weird uh, ear... What do you call Earrings. Earrings. Yeah, long... Anyway, so... Another thing you get from the walk is camaraderie. You you lose your restrictions. So I just oh, I went over and sat by the same at the same table, and she ignored me for a while, <laughs> and then she started talking to me. She was eating an apple, I remember, with this knife and chopping it up, <clears throat> and she just looked up and looked at me, looked at me straight in the eye, whoosh. As if, as if the eyes were just an opening and in it went. And she said, there are five special places on the way. They are not in any of the guidebooks. This was in English. I actually knew I... I don't know. Um, and and uh, they're not in any of the guidebooks. And you must find them. Pointing with her knife at yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> you can find them, she said. And uh, and I, 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 then she shut up and went back to her apple, and I thought, oh, right, that's it. And I went over, and, and Kez said, uh, what happened, Dad? And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> also, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. It's all very silly, I thought. And um, However, the following day, we walked on, of course, reached Puente La Reina, uh, Queensbridge uh, and uh, bumped into a chap I'd met on the first day and he said oh you must go to this place it's not on the way it's, it's I said what is it he says it's a church I said come on Claudio fed we're fed up with churches there are thousands of them oh this one is special he said, but it's not on the route. You have to, how far is it? Oh, it's about a mile and a half. A mile and a half. We've done 15 miles already. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Anyway, and he, the, the uh, Spanish TV company were making a film about him. And he says, well, I've got to go there. I'll show you. I'll take you along. So I went along. Unate, it was called, which in, in taken from Greek and Latin, that means good birth. Anyway, so... Uh, we went there and I sat in the place and I walked around it and then I went in and uh, Kez went off and with with the film crew, oh, film crew, yeah, I'll do that. So I'm sitting there alone and, and then suddenly I... I it, the mind sort of lost itself and other things seemed to flow in and I felt a loss of self and the... and a sense of linking up with the with the church and nature uh, and it was overwhelming and I thought blimey I found the first significant place yes. 
And uh, so she wasn't an idiot or, or bonkers. Uh, I found one, uh, and by circumstances, by... Uh, and uh, so th there's another four. Yeah. And, uh, and they all in the book as well. Did you? Write they're them all in? here. Yeah. And and what what became clear about how to find a significant place that was important for you that would open you a bit more was that you really had to un allow your feelings and your intuition and the. That's not straightforward because we deceive ourselves through our feelings often. You don't really feel that. You want to feel that or whatever. So you had to learn how to distinguish between real feelings and pretense. And so that was the education all the way along. And then once that started, I found all sorts of coincidences were, would occur to make it easier. What did, um, just to uh, finish up, because we're going to give uh, out the website and the details of the book again, you were saying Kez got, what did Kez get out of being oh, with yes, you for this whole thank trip? thank you. Thank you for remembering <laughs> that. Right. Uh, we, we, um, we crossed this river just outside of Pamplona and uh, there was a convent, so we knocked on the door of the convent, can we come and stay? And uh, this nun, who didn't speak English, opened the door and she beamed at me, it was lovely. And I said, we're pilgrims, can we stay? Peregrinos, you know. I, I learned about five words of Spanish. But, and uh, she said, oh, round, round, round the back. Uh, so there was a room round the back. Just So we went round the back and stayed there. Huh. Oh, and it was lovely, a whole room. And, um, and plenty of plenty of space. And a kitchen. Wow. Great. Anyway, we, so the following morning, got up, walked on, and I said, do you sleep all right, Kez? He said, yeah. And I had a dream. I said, what did you dream? He said, well, I dreamt I gave birth to a black baby. Right. OK, you say that to a teacher. You're asking for trouble, really. So I started talking to him about opposites and trying to bring them together. And I said, you're male mm. and you give birth. That's opposites coming yeah. together. You're white, the, 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 um, the baby is black. I think it's about the need to harmonise opposites, this. And then I started talking about the Taoist symbol, you know, the circle with the wavy line down the middle, yeah. black one side, white the other, yeah. and yet they're sort of balanced and... And I was talking about that and explaining it, saying, and he'd never heard of that. Oh, he said, oh, you mean like that one over there? I said, what? So I turned around and there was this Taoist symbol painted on a wall with each side of it. So the, the dark side was all sort of dark and scary and the light side was all wonderful and enlightenment and 30 feet long, wow. elaborately painted on the wall. Um, to, you know, he has the dream. I talk about the Taoist. I hadn't seen it. Mm. I had the Taoist, talked about the Taoist symbol, and there it bloody well is <laughs> behind me. We've yeah. got things like that, and they're all in the book yep. frequently. Yeah. Yeah, and now afterwards, uh, he, was, he was really moved by that, and he would bring it up later on, and we talked a lot sitting by the path, you know, and he stopped being a bloody nuisance where I'm looking after a child. He became, eventually, and this is a bit hard to accept, he became a nine-year-old mate after yeah. a while. And I, when I was ill, he looked after me. And when he was ill, I looked after him. And yeah. so it was. And 
he's just writing at this moment a book. He, he teaches uh, bushcraft uh, to, to kids who have been chucked out of school, helping the whole Camino bit is operative there. <coughs> Pardon me. And, um, and he's, this book that he's working on now, and I think he's, he's just sort of editing it, is called Taoism and the Art of Bushcraft. So all those years ago has worked through him. Yep. There he is helping people, it's nature, and his big thing is Taoism. And that, it was that moment that went deep in him and is, is out and an important part of his life now. Well, we'll have to get him in as well next year, hopefully 2024. Oh, now, if yeah. you want to find out more about Michael Shearer, he is a part of Brentwood Writer Circle as well, so you might be able to meet him at one of the meetings that they have there. Uh, get along if you're interested in ever putting a book together. Walking a Rainbow, you can find on the website, all the W's, walkingarainbow.co.uk, uh, and you'll be able to find out loads more about Michael as well and get yourself a copy of the book. And it's available on Amazon. And Amazon as well, that's a good one. Just, yeah, Amazon's really easy. And you get the Kindle version. Yeah, well, we, we, we said about Kindle, we like book, book yes. books, don't books, we? Books are proper things. Yes, books. where you actually like reading. I could talk to you for ages. It's been lovely to have you in the studio. I've got mm. Sylvia waiting okay. uh, in the next couple of minutes. So thank you very much and have a lovely Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you. Fantastic. It's been what lovely. A, what a great adventure. Great it adventure. Was. We did it again the following year. Oh, brilliant. I've, I've walked the Camino nine times. Wow. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. That's Not amazing. anymore. No. <laughs> well, you've, at least you've done it. What a great life. 